0: Rubber gloves have touched so much dirty stuff. And the only way to put on rubber gloves is to touch the rubber gloves. So then you take the dirty stuff that the rubber gloves are living with, and then you put them on your fingers, and then you stuff them into rubber, and then you sweat, and then it all goes into your skin. So you're basically much worse off than if you use your mouth.
1: Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
2: Hello. Am a bit hoarse there? You <coughs> are a bit, yeah. yeah that's it. <coughs> A lovely big
3: cough. <coughs> there we go. That's better, mm. isn't it? Yeah. A lot of people, given that it's a podcast and not a live show, would have thought, oh, I sounded a bit off there. Then I sort of coughed and spluttered into the microphone. Mm. What I should probably do is stop the recording, go back yeah. and do it again.
2: When you say a lot of people, do you mean all people
3: really? <laughs> would have done that? The thing is you you don't know. Well I suppose you do know if you hear somebody doing that on a podcast, Mm-mm. you think there is somebody with the type of laziness <laughs> that I associate with Jeff. Wow. Um I t- I, I, something happened this week where I, I am thinking that I'm not a great person. Oh, okay, go on. So something I struggle with, and mm. you you know this about me, mm. is p- putting my own problems into perspective. Oh,
4: Jeff. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, lots of people struggle with that. I think I do to some extent and you do to some extent It's, it's too. quite
3: extreme with me, right. you know. Okay, yeah. so, so for example, yeah. you know, if, if I can't get the wi- Wi-Fi to work in the house, mm. I can sometimes just say, oh, that's it. I just wish I was dead then, yeah, you know, yeah, th- yeah. this type of thing. Mm-mm. Any, Anyway, um, the other day I was emailing with a hotel about trying to get an, an a slightly early check in, mm-hmm. half an hour or an hour earlier than the normal, mm-hmm. and they were having none of it. Right. And I was so angry. I felt like Ooh. I was making very reasonable points in my email, yeah, yeah. and they they've obviously just got a rule, and they won't deviate from the rule. Mm. And it was driving me, it was driving me mad. Yeah, feeling it was poor customer service. As this was going on. A friend of mine came round for a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And, um, fairly much the first thing she told me was that this auntie who she was quite close to had died. Right. And I really, really wanted to rant about this hotel. Yeah. and But I know that's not socially acceptable behaviour. No. And no. I do feel, you know, sad that my friend is sad. Yeah. But in my head, what I'm really thinking is, how many questions about the grief do I have to ask <laughs> before I can start complaining about this hotel not letting me have an early check-in? <laughs> and so... How many questions did you ask? I, I, I sort of thought, if, if I can get like 12 minutes under the belt. <laughs> then I think it's...
2: it's time to move on to me and my
3: problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so that, was, that was that. So I do think I'm a bad person because of that. And of course I feel empathy if somebody's feeling great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really wanted to rant about how stupid this is.
2: Get it off your chest. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Anyway, so I I ended up going to this hotel and and not having an early check-in. And Mm. the reason I was there is because I was doing some work for the BBC in Salford, uh, just next to Manchester, this week. And as I mentioned on the podcast a while ago, I was there over Christmas and New Year. In fact, I spent New Year's Eve in this same hotel. And... Because of that, I had quite a lot of chat with the the lad who had to work on the reception over that time. And I thought we had quite a good rapport by my standards. I mean, you know, it didn't blossom into a friendship. No. But it wasn't particularly awkward. Anyway, Mm. I turn up to check in on Friday. Mm. It's the same lad. Okay. I give him a big smile. Guess what he says? What does he say? Have you stayed with us before?
2: (gasps) Oh, you're heartbreak.
3: I am, yeah, a oh, little heart yeah, broke. I know, No, he didn't remember you. No, after we'd had that very intense time oh. over New Year. Yeah,
2: that time of year where you might like someone on their own might, and he's on his own. Yes. You might bond. I... Yeah,
3: I mean, I'm not oh. saying there was anything torrid happened between the. Two of us.
2: Nobody thought that, just so you know. But
3: the way you were saying it, <laughs> no, you're it's... on your own, he's on <laughs> his own. It
2: mean, did not cross my mind. <laughs> there was anything torrid involved.
3: I just wanted to oh, say torrid, really. i, did, I, I thought be so, honest. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff
0: Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a show called. Adrift.
3: As ever, we'd love to hear from you. Share your story with us. Just based on what I was talking about there, we could do uh, sort of not not putting your own problems in perspective. Oh yeah, yeah. might be uh, might be a good subject. As might be the one time your small talk went well, mm. and then it all went wrong. Oh yes you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com now go being, on
2: being forgotten as well like just being oh, being unmemorable <laughs> yeah. by people you like really connected with yes a really yeah,
3: yeah, yeah 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 oh, yeah yeah, I feel like
2: I've got lots of stories of that
3: <laughs> oh we should do that yeah not yeah. being memorable yeah, yeah please well, anything on those subjects mm. uh, hello at adriftpodcast.com um, and it's slightly different this week can mm. you explain why
2: yes yeah, so um, we're just going to do one email because it's very long and very good so I think one one will be an Okay. Okay. So it's from, as all the best ones are, Anonymous. (laughs) After leaving university with a degree no one would want on their CV, I was determined to follow my passion. And that passion was creating music. Specifically, I wanted to write pop music. I could write, but I couldn't sing. So my theory was that by working with as many new singers and groups as possible, something would eventually stick. I found someone I collaborated well with and we were determined to take the music industry by storm. One day, a manager I met at a networking event rang. Let's call him Mr Manager. He asked if myself and my songwriting partner wanted to collaborate with an upcoming vocalist. Let's call him Mr Singer. Mr Manager said Mr Singer had an incredible voice but needed help writing songs. This was perfect. Mr Manager was our most well-connected contact. This was our chance to impress. We met Mr Singer, had a songwriting session, but very quickly realised that this was far from a match made in heaven. Our plans for a 10-track album quickly devolved into a 5-track EP and then into just 102 songs to see what happens. The problem was that Mr Singer seemed to be really enjoying the collaboration, but we definitely were not. At this point, I feel the need to clarify that Mr Singer was far from ideal to work with. He would turn up late to sessions, if at all. He was generally aggressive in nature. He did not react well to any criticism, no matter how constructive, and even disappeared for three weeks prior to our final recording session in a lavish and expensive central London studio. The situation was very stressful, but this does not make what I did in any way excusable. (laughs) (laughs) As expected, the recording session was painful. We left the studio dejected, but admittedly, with all the parts for a complete song in hand. Not to get too technical here, but at this point, it was my job to piece together those parts into a finished song. Part of this process involves selecting the best vocal takes. After that comes the now very well documented process of auto-tuning the vocal, sacrilegious in some genres, but essential in pop. After around five very long hours of selecting just the right takes, it took a further five hours to tune up the finished vocal. I was shattered, but I was finished. I cracked open a beer. To deliver the files to my songwriting partner, I opened up my email client, attached the files, and wrote detailed notes on the takes. And this is where, after months of hellish sessions, one terrible studio experience and 10 hours of editing, the pressure had got too much. Mm -hmm. I let rip and it felt amazing. Take one was awful. I ditched that. He was in a bad mood there. Take three at the second chorus works, but it doesn't gel at the end. Have a look at take seven. That's a keeper. And on it went. Let's never work with this guy again, I continued. It's been painful. (laughs) Come to think of it, how do you think we can stop this relationship? This has been a huge mistake. I've never met anyone so awful in my life. How do we never see him again? The email got worse. Expletives were involved. But let's stop here. And by now, you've probably already guessed what I had done. I was tired. And yes, this is no excuse. Rather than sending this no-holds-barred tirade to my songwriting partner... I sent it to Mr Singer and I realized pretty much the second I pressed send exactly what I'd done. It was just after midnight and I knew Mr Singer wouldn't see it till the morning. That night I didn't sleep a wink. 8 a.m. nothing. 9 a.m. nothing. 10 a.m. nothing. But at 10:30 my phone rang. It was Mr Singer. I didn't even say hello. I began pleading straight away. I am so, so sorry. It was really late. I didn't mean it. I I don't think those things. But it didn't matter. He was absolutely furious. I have never felt so small in my life. Various threats were made. It was a dressing down that even a 1960s head teacher would have been terrified of. It was made very clear that I'd be looking over my shoulder for quite some time. But it got worse. Mr. Singer told me he was contacting Mr. Manager to tell him just how awful I'd been. No, wait, he could do one better. Mr. Singer said he would forward the entire email I sent straight to Mr. Manager. I pleaded with him not to, but he said it was the only thing he could do. This was my absolute worst nightmare. In an industry that is tough at the best of times, I would surely be immediately blacklisted for unprofessionalism. This was everything I'd been working for and I had blown it. And let's be honest here, no matter how bad the experience had been with Mr Singer, I deserved it. But the events of the day were about to take an unexpected twist. Hmm. Around an hour after the phone call, I received an email from Mr Singer. When I opened it, the email read, Dear Mr Manager, I have been working with Anon (laughs) over the past few months and this is how he has treated me. Don't work with him again. See his email below. Best wishes, Mr Singer. And true to his word, my horrific email was pasted below. But then I looked closer at the two box in the email. I'm clearly in there. No one else was though and definitely not Mr Manager. What happened here? Could he have (laughs) BCC'd him? I wasn't sure. I asked my songwriting partner. It sure looked like I was the only recipient. Had Mr. made the exact same (laughs) mistake I had made previously by sending an email to the wrong person. If so, this would be poetic. Three very long months passed. Myself and my songwriting partner heard absolutely nothing from neither Mr Singer nor Mr Manager, and we left the song untouched. Had I been blacklisted? Would anyone work with me again? Had I damaged my songwriting partner's career too? And then, one quiet weekday morning, my mobile rang. The screen read... Mr. Manager calling. Nervously, I picked up the phone. Hello? Oh, hello, Anon. Before you say anything, what the hell has happened with Mr. Singer? That's it. I'm done for, I thought. I'm not sure what you mean, Mr. Manager, I say tentatively, but my mind was screaming, what did I do? But I, well, I've just got off the phone with Mr. Singer and he's extremely angry. Apparently, I didn't reply to a very important email he sent me. When I told him I hadn't received a thing, I asked him what exactly the email was, but he said I should speak directly to you. I was expecting a second dressing down. This was not what I'd anticipated. I was faced with a split second decision. Do I come clean and explain what an awful human being I'd been? <laughs> Honesty is the best policy, right? Or is there a very real possibility I can keep this professional relationship intact? My decision? Play dumb, of course. (laughs) I answered, oh, well, we stopped working with Mr Singer. He was rather angry, didn't like the song too much, and his behaviour was rather unprofessional. He didn't turn up often, and when he did, he was late, (laughs) etc., etc. The phone then went silent for what felt like an eternity. Had I overdone it? Did he believe me? Technically, I didn't lie. I just left one very (laughs) crucial part of the story out. Mr. Manager let out a huge sigh. Oh, well, isn't that typical Mr. Singer? That's it, I've had it. I'm not working with him again. Thanks for being honest with me, Anon. I know I put you guys in touch and I feel bad it didn't work out. We exchanged goodbyes and put the phone down and I felt a huge wash of many emotions come over me. It took a while to process what had just happened with my and my songwriting partner was in utter disbelief too. How on earth did I come out of this situation clean? zip forward to 2019 the relationship with Mr Manager is still strong to this day I have never bumped into Mr Singer absolutely no one is the wiser and I did eventually manage to make a living out of my passion crucially though I never ever wrote an email like that ever ever. oh
3: that is so great well worth you know suspending the letters for just that one this week thank you anonymous uh, and uh, tip of the hat to Mr Manager (laughs) (laughs) Yep. <laughs> um, if you have a story you would like to share with us uh, then please send it hello at adriftpodcast.com
0: later when you go for a walk you can take the show with you so that you're not left with your thoughts because we know what's going on there and it's just it's it's quite scary you should probably consult a doctor or you should maybe get a dog And then walk with your dog or steal a dog. But just um, dogs can help you because they suck up your dangerous thoughts.
3: Adrift
1: with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port.
3: Annabelle, last week we heard ways in which you're not a fully functioning adult, part one. Am I right in assuming that it's going to be part two this week?
2: It is, yes. Part two. How I will overthink even the most tiny basic interaction that I imagine would barely register on most people's consciousness. So if I'm going to say the key cutters, just as an example, let's say my key broke off in the door. I need a new one cut from the spare. This did actually happen, by the way. This isn't a product of my wild imagination. For the moment I realise that I have to go to the key cutters, I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say. I'm writing it in my head and then I'm refining it over and over until it's the exact balance of not waffly but not missing anything out. And then I'm rehearsing it all the way there so it's in my memory and I get it exactly right. Like I'm actually writing a dramatic monologue that's going to be performed at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane in front of 2,196 people including Trevor Nunn, Vanessa Redgrave and Tom Stoppard. And then I get to the key cutters and I say, hello, would you be able to cut me another key from this, please? And that's it. But I spent at least 15 minutes on getting that exactly right. And I do this everywhere. Like if I'm going to a reception at the doctor's or dentist, I've had the writing and then the rehearsal. And I really do feel that probably most people don't think about what they're going to say in these kind of instances until they're there and they just say it and it comes out of their mouth. And there have been some occasions when I've done it with people I know. And the one that most sticks in my mind was with a guy I was seeing at university. So he was called Rich. I met him as we were in the same halls of residence. And it was halls that was divided into flats. And he'd had a briefling with my flatmate Cheryl. And she'd let things fizzle out. And presumably, as he couldn't be bothered to look much further for the next girl, we started seeing each other. And I felt that he was much cooler than me. He was tall with floppy blonde hair and he had decks in his bedroom so he could mix together the dance music. <laughs> do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? I know what you're thinking. He sounds awful. And why was he with me? I can only think it's because I had my own word processor in my bedroom. <laughs> do you remember those? Do, yeah. a typewriter with the little digital screen, yeah. big enough for about six lines of text yeah. and a hole for a floppy disk. <laughs> This was 1994. Look how modern I was back then.
3: Also, what went wrong?
2: I know. What went wrong? I know. I also think I'm probably making him sound cooler than he actually was. I remember that him and his friends, which for memory was just him and his mate Scott, they used to have words and phrases that he'd use a lot, kind of like little catchphrases. But they'd invented for certain situations. And I've tried so hard, but I can't remember any of them. But it was things like they say sort of like, oh, that's bare Good or Peng or, you know, stuff like that, but not that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm in his bedroom one evening with the decks. He might have put on a Ministry of Sound album on. Perhaps we're listening to Baby D, Let Me Be Your Fantasy, or Strikes, You Sure Do. And I'd eaten something. I can't remember what, but I knew that it made my mouth taste not so good. And I knew that kissing was probably on the cards. But I did have some chewing gum in my pocket. So this is what I think a normal person would do. Without thinking, they'd take their chewing gum out, have one, and offer it to the other person. But this is what's going on with me. I'm thinking, oh, God, if if I get the chewing gum out, it's like saying, oh, sorry, I stink. I'm a a disgusting human being. I'm not a pure, clean person who always smells good. And also, if I get it out, I'm saying, we're definitely kissing tonight. But what if we're not? (laughs) What if he just wants me to go home? I really need this chewing gum. So I think, maybe I can say something when I get it out that will distract him from all the rest of the stuff that he'd surely otherwise be thinking. So I'm deciding what to say, and I think... (sighs) This is so embarrassing. What if I give the chewing gum a cool name? (laughs) Like a a cool word that I've made up for it. I should say I've never told anyone this before. This is the first time I've even said this out loud. Yeah. So I write what I'm going to say in my head. (laughs) And then I rehearse it. And then I get the chewing gum out of my pocket and I say...
3: Go on, you can do it. It's so embarrassing. Go on. I
2: say this. I get the chewing gum out and I say... (laughs)
3: <laughs> come on you can do it
2: want a piece of scum <laughs> scum he repeats this word back to me scum <laughs> and then he laughs at me and i say yeah that's what i call I'm scum <laughs> and then i had to keep it up for the next five months that we were together <laughs> want a piece of scum i'm gonna have some scum do you want some scum I think it's best just not to think about anything ever. Oh. <laughs> scum. <laughs> oh. He probably just thought it's what he called it when <laughs> you
3: came. Scum,
2: scum, scum. Yeah, just call scum. <laughs>
3: and he's probably gone round saying to people, you know what, they, you <laughs> know what they give people from Southend <laughs> called chewing gum. <laughs> Scum, and scum. then somebody might have said, Oh, that's quite good actually. I'm going to use that. Wow, what if
2: there's a whole pocket of people? <laughs> you should call it scum now. I think it's very unlikely.
0: Welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it? Yeah. Mm mm.
3: Mm mm. Thank you for downloading the podcast. It's never not appreciated. If you enjoy spending time with us every week, then why not support the podcast on Patreon uh, if, we, uh, if you think but they fill between 45 minutes and an hour of my time every week. I'd like to show a bit of support. Then we would be very grateful for that too. Go to patreon.com stroke adrift. Annabelle will give you a title. Uh, We make videos from time to time, um, extra podcasts and stuff. We'll probably do a revamp of the rewards at some stage. I think we've, you know, vamped them quite well in the first place, but it's probably time for a revamp. Yeah, Yeah. Um, uh, so that's that, Patreon. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could ask you for an update on the pencil sitch.
2: Well, so I think the last time we spoke, I put on my to-do list that I had to email Narina Palo because she'd had lovely pencils made for herself.
3: That's right. Annabelle for Christmas got me these Narina Palo pencils featuring lyrics and, and song titles. And we thought, well, some Adrift pencils. You would have heard us talking about this on the last episode. Mm-hmm. That could be nice merch. Yeah, yeah. So how, how's it gone then? So I put it on my to-do list and guess what? I did it. What? I emailed her. Yeah. And
2: she replied. Mm-hmm. And I found out where she got the pencils from. Mm-hmm. I've looked into it. It looks like a very nice website. I then looked up where Narina sells her pencils. And I thought, oh, well, she's obviously done her research. <laughs> So the where you can actually buy them from. Uh-huh. So there's like a cart like a cart thing you can set up online. See
3: now I don't know what you took. Oh, so I thought you meant like she'd got a little market stall or something. No, no,
2: no, I wasn't gonna do a market stall. Right. Unless you think that's a really good idea. <laughs> like it's like say someone's listening, I don't know, a long way away from where I did my market school, stall. stall. Well, you could and get a van,
3: could, and do could, it out the back of a van. Oh,
2: like a mobile shop. Yeah. yeah, or like some
3: some market stall holders go around different markets, don't they?
2: Okay, that wasn't quite what I was thinking. I was thinking more of a website where people could buy it from.
3: Okay, but let's. But with the greatest of respect, I'm yeah. really impressed that this went on your to do list, and yeah, I'm really yeah. impressed that you've started emailing and researching. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think you're getting a bit ahead of yourself, no. thinking about where the no. things could be sold no. No. if no. they don't actually exist yet?
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, you have to think to think of it all of like it's all gonna be sorted out. To be honest, I only looked at it like I don't know about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you
3: asked. Okay, well, <laughs> expect an update on that yeah. very soon. Soon
0: people will know that we don't know what we're doing.
3: A drift. It is my best friend from back home's wedding this weekend. Oh nice. My friend Chris uh who I've known for yeah 25 years 26 years I don't know what it w- would have been and um he has been with his wife to be for about 20 of those years mm. and he has two children both teenagers and I never thought it was going to happen no wow cuz he doesn't seem the the marrying the marrying kind
2: more like not into weddings rather than Yeah, exa- being exactly, exactly that. I mean, yeah. so
3: I think what happened was, if this isn't a boring story, I'm not sure, but so so Jenny is fiance which is a very weird thing to say given that they've been together all this time. Um she turned 50 last year and she threw a party and he was dreading it because he's like us, you know. Um More. In fact, you can do okay with a party. I, I really can't. Mm. And and Chris is like that, and he was just dreading it. Um, But in the end, he went, and you know, he played some music. You know, made some playlists, and and he had a not terrible time. (laughs)
2: Okay, not terrible
3: time. Yeah, it's how he would describe Mm, it. mm. And then so Jenny then spotted a chink in his armour uh, yeah. and said, Well, what if we had a wedding and it was just like that, you know, nothing, not too mm, much pressure. Mm. And of course I think it's spiraled, not out of control, oh, but it's, of course, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, a bit yeah. more more yeah. than that. But yeah, uh, so he's he's getting married this weekend. Now some time ago Jenny got in touch with me and said Would you would you mind um speaking at the wedding? We're not we're not gonna do anything as sort of formal as best man or whatever but would you would you say a few words and you know I don't like i, I make I mean it would cause me months of anxiety mm-hmm. but I said yes of course because you have to yeah. say yes of yeah. course Yeah, yeah so um so that's what I've been thinking about anyway a see Chris uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah and he says to me oh uh Jen said something to you about speaking at the wedding didn't she I said said yes she did yeah he said uh yeah you don't have to do that what
2: Hold on, what's going on there? Well, he's,
3: debu- he's debooked me.
2: Okay. He's cancelled me. Right. He's biffed me. Okay.
3: Now, here's my paranoia. Yeah. Chris was at the only wedding oh. where I have been best man, Dave's wedding, when my speech wasn't good. It went poorly. Okay. And there isn't a day that passes oh, where don't... I don't get a pang of anxiety and, oh. and regret and shame so I I think that maybe he's thinking I can't I can't let a repeat I can't let history repeat itself. No, come on now. I'm no, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, sh- sh- should I be insulted about being de-booked for a pseudo best man speech at a wedding?
2: <laughs> should you just get up anyway and do one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And why is public speaking? So terrible for me, given that my career of 20 odd years has been (laughs) speaking on the radio. I try to unpack all that in this week's The Incident. (laughs) For advice on this, I spoke to Viv Groskop. Now, Viv is a wonderful stand-up comedian, and she's a writer. She has a new book. It's called How to Own the Room, Women and the Art of Brilliant Speaking. Now, I am aware that I'm not a woman. However, I felt some of the principles may apply to me too. I think
4: there's a lot going on here, so we need to drill down into the detail. Yes. You know, the, the bit that alarm bells ring for me is where you say, sort of a best man, sort of not a best man. Mm. So you were never really... You aren't the best man. Is there a best man?
3: I don't believe so. And I'm putting that down to the fact that he just doesn't want any kind of fuss at his wedding. He's kind of been a little bit steamrolled into it by his children and his girlfriend of 20 years.
4: Right. So... Already, you see, this is a key message in How to Own the Room. It's not all about you. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly there's a lot going on here, and this guy is potentially under all kinds of different pressure, and he's not entirely in control of the situation. That's what I'm hearing from you. Mm. When is it? This weekend? Yes. I'm so fascinated to know the denouement of this, <laughs> because I don't think anybody's going to be giving a speech, or I think it's going to be a family thing is if there's a, an alpha male i predict.
3: Yeah, I mean the, the trouble is I I'm, I'm very much not an alpha male. My best friend is is really not an alpha male either. I'm not sure that the I mean the the alpha male could possibly be his teenage son who I think is yes. 13.
4: Right, so that's going to be a really tough one to go up against because that's going to be quite emotional. So mm. you've dodged a bullet there. <laughs> um, the <laughs> other thing to bear in mind is this other so-called disastrous speaking opportunity, which I don't believe truly was as disastrous as you think. When was this?
3: 2010. <laughs> and it was uh, in <laughs> o- October of 2010. But you're still living it. Yeah. It last and, week. and part of the reason I know it went poorly is my friend for whom I was best man has never really mentioned it subsequently and I think on the day if, if you're a best man people understand that you're nervous and afterwards they come up to you and say that was uh, that was really nice or that was a good speech nobody could make eye contact with me
4: interesting maybe they were just so moved
3: (laughs) i really don't think so i don't think so
4: i think it's so sweet that you're tortured by this Uh, oh honestly anything it was fine there can be all kinds of things going on in these situations that you're not aware of and it's really important to be creative with your imagination to figure
3: out what they are but how how do you do that so if you walk into a a room as you will have done as a stand-up but also people doing all kinds of sort of business environments you've got dozens hundreds whatever the number of people there how can you gauge the the org the 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 audience as sort of like one organism and how they need to be treated
4: Yeah, I think there are two things that happen. One thing is you get used to um, reading the room. You know, lots of stand-ups and MCs will talk about reading a room. But then the other thing I think is this idea I'm talking about of making it not about you. So in any situation, you can use this for work, you can use it for a job interview, you can use it for a wedding speech. You need to be creative in thinking about the other people in the room and thinking there's going to be people in this room who have just found out that somebody in their family has got terminal illness. There's going to be people who are hungover. There's going to be people who have just had a massive row. You know, there's always loads of stuff going on in a room, or even if one to one in a job interview, that you can't know about, right?
3: See, I'm now so, feeling sorry for any people who are going through any of those things who have to listen to me wittering on as well, on top of that, though.
4: Are oh, you saying now you're making it about you again? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. In certain situations, the performer must make the most of their own narcissism.
3: Right. <laughs> so, the, so the book is um, "How to Own the Room: Women and the Art of Brilliant Speaking." Am I automatically at an advantage just by dint of being a man?
4: And um, you're now turned into a woman because you're talking to me about this, right? Just okay. By virtue of talking to me. Well, yes. Are men at an automatic advantage? And is that what I'm suggesting? Not exactly. I think gender. Does play a role, and there is a, we all know that there's a context, you know, such as several thousand years of the patriarchy, right? We all know about that. But I think personality and life experience can play as much of a role. And you already mentioned the idea that you and your friend are not alpha males. And a lot of the stuff that's coming up when I've done events around the book and people uh, who've read it discussing it with me, they will talk as much about the idea of being an alpha and people who are very charismatic, who kind of suck up all the energy at work and are always the ones to talk. As much as they 'll talk about gender
3: and you, you mean the chapters are a lot of the chapters are themed around these different women, and people should go and buy the book and learn these lessons uh, from must. these women yes, but Jeff. but but if you had to pick a, a favorite of the women that you feature in the book in terms of what they bring to a room when they sort of walk in and, and command it and get on stage who 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 would it be
4: I think the most obvious example is Michelle Obama, and she is probably. The main reason I wrote the book was because over the last 10 years, I watched her become this iconic figure for a lot of women. And and so many women are obsessed with her.
3: And what's one thing I could learn from Michelle Obama?
4: One thing you can learn from Michelle Obama, it is... Oh, it's the work of a lifetime, Jeff, but let's start it today. (laughs) Um, It's this quality that she embodies that I call happy high status. It's any position in life where you have responsibility, you're in charge, and you have some kind of status, so people are looking to you for an answer or it's your moment to speak. And the idea is that you're happy in that high status, so you're very relaxed about it, you're very zen, you don't feel a need, Ooh. in a kind of Donald Trump kind of way, yeah. to make everyone bow to you and say how great you are. You just wear that moment very lightly.
3: I think that is going to be the work of a lifetime for me. Although it is conceivable that I could be the HOTUS one day. The- it's unlikely but it, it, it could happen. It could be. Yeah. You could be HOTUS. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: like that. We've never had a HOTUS.
3: No, and do, cometh the, the hour, cometh enough. the cometh the man. Yeah. Hold
4: up.
0: Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port Hi It's a show and it's also a demeanour
3: What can I give you here? A couple of things that happened to me while I was in Manchester Oh, so I've got this rucksack that I've had, I guess, since we were doing the radio show Can you picture it? Yes Yeah. And it's, it's looking a bit tatty now um, Some of the material's a bit threadbare, pens have leaked in it So I, th- I thought to myself, um, I think I'm going to go and get a new one and i just want one by the same make right uh but 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 i thought maybe i'll change the color of it okay and as it happens this this uh this particular i don't know why i'm not saying it like i'm on the bbc (laughs) and i can't say that it's called fjell raven people will have seen them all all around um So so they've got a shop in Manchester. So I go into this shop at the weekend and they've got a wall of these rucksacks. So I'm kind of looking at them and having a think. And then the guy comes over to me and he says, uh, oh, we're doing 15% off today. Said, oh, that's 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 good to know. Said it's my, my old. I'm thinking of replacing my old one. It's a bit threadbare. I'm just trying to make my mind up about the color. And then he points out a few different colors. He says, I really like this one, and this is a new one. And I think so. He points out about three different colors that he likes. Mm. As it happens, I don't like any of the colors. Okay. That he he likes yeah which then puts me in a difficult position mm, mm. because i want to buy a new rucksack but he if if i don't buy one of those three colors it looks like i'm snubbing his recommendations <laughs> and i don't think well of his taste right so i then say oh actually i'm meeting a friend i'm gonna to have to run but i'm gonna come back tomorrow he says oh well come and come and look for me tomorrow because 15 percent. it isn't technically still running tomorrow but i'll, I'll do it for you anyway um and I say, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. And then I see a look in his eyes where he's thinking, you're not going to be back tomorrow. And <gasps> is he right? He is. But I mean, I, ke- <laughs> I came that close to going back and buying a rucksack that I didn't like, <laughs> Just just because I didn't want him thinking I was lying about coming back tomorrow. That's extraordinary. And it's not that I didn't want it to. I mean, I'm happy to tell a lie. Yeah. But what I don't like is being cut out in a lie. No, no of course yeah, not. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh so that was that and then this other thing happened which is sort of anti-driftery in in a way and i just thought i'd uh, um, mention it so i met this friend of mine rick who uh you know not not seen for a while um i texted him and said are you around he says yes i said where shall we meet and he suggests this particular branch of a well-known coffee shop i'm doing it again (laughs)
1: just say it starbucks starbucks okay
3: in Manchester City Centre. He says, oh, I used to go there all the time when I worked around the corner. So, so as as I'm arriving there, he's also arriving there. So we bump into each other on the street and walk in and we've not seen each other for a while. So we're kind of consumed in chatting. And uh, as we walk in, we sort of s- stop um, in front of the bit where you collect your coffees. Right. And I think this is odd that we stop at this bit. Mm. And um, then Rick goes, oh God, they've moved the counter. It used to be over there. He says okay. that to me. Right. There's sort of like a hip young guy behind the counter, a barista as, he call, as you call them. Mm. And also there's two sort of good-looking young women and you get the impression this guy is showing off to these women a little bit. Right. There's relevant information. Okay. And this guy goes, uh, yeah, it helps if you want to order... Whoa. That you go and do it at the counter. Oh. What would you do in that situation?
2: So, so sarca- I'd be really angry. But
3: I mean, what? How would that anger manifest itself?
2: Like, what would I? would say something back. What would I say? See, it's a spur of the moment, and I'm. You know what? I'd probably say nothing because I'm clearly flummoxed. Which
3: is exactly yeah. what I would yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Rick goes, well, if you're going to be sarcastic like that, oh. I'll. Um, we'll go somewhere else. Oh. We'll take our money somewhere else. I love
4: him.
2: Amazing. And, and then the guy
3: goes, no, no, I wasn't being sarcastic. And Rick's going, don't patronize me. You were. <gasps> don't be condescending. You oh. were but think about how you speak to your customers in the future. Amazing. And the guy's going, I'm sorry if I offended you. And Rich's going, doesn't matter. We'll say, no, you're not. You're just saying you're sorry because you want me to buy a coffee. We'll go somewhere else. And how did you feel throughout this interaction? Humility. I mean, I just felt very embarrassed. <laughs> and as we were leaving, I tried to make eye contact with the guy you to say. You didn't. He's, you know, he's a little highly strung. I
2: <laughs> You sided with the sarcastic stranger over your lifelong friend. Okay, there we go. Only
3: because he was making, even though he was right, there's something about somebody making a fuss that feels deeply uncomfortable to me.
1: Excuse me, do you have any wood?
0: Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Belport adrift.
1: Ooh, I'm in the stream.
3: Let's clarify some things. For people who are struggling with social situations in this week's Problem Attic at the Glap Clinic, Uh, a quandary corner and all that.
2: Okay, so the first one's from Nico. How do you deal with name tags from service staff? I don't really have a regular coffee shop or something similar to go to, meaning I don't tend to have a usual with the same staff greeting me hello every morning, say. But I try my best to be a bit more personable. When I pay for my coffee, I try to glean at their name tag if it's visible and make sure to say their name when I say thank you, like, thanks, Jeff, complete with a teeth-not-out smile. But others have told me that what I do is creepy, that I shouldn't address them by their names. But isn't that what name tags are for? Incidentally, one time I did this, I said good evening to a member of the service staff. She looked at me with a why are you greeting me face. Her name is Charisma and it it definitely does not match her attitude. (laughs) How do you stand on
3: this just before we get into it that's um like so if if uh, my wife and i have you know in a restaurant and the waiter has no you know is, is like that hmm. uh, or you know you get served in a shop by somebody who's like that we always go well somebody got all the charisma oh. so a little thing um well i mean it's this is just easy though isn't it i mean it's just creepy
2: this is the thing though but her her point is He, her, Nico, male or female? I don't even know. Well,
3: my instinct was male, but then I thought about the Velvet Underground and Nico. Yeah, that's why I said she. Anyway,
2: um, the point that they. Why do they have name tags then? Why? Just so you know. Let
3: me. I don't (laughs) think anybody wants to wear a name tag. No shit. I think it's some kind of, you know wretched corporate attitude to make your place seem more friendly and more oh, human okay but actually there's some kind of I've never, do, I will add, I've never done a job where I've worn a name tag so I could be wrong about this mm. but I imagine if you have to wear one there's something slightly soul destroying about it mm. and then even though using somebody's name is friendly I think something about the fact that they're reading it off a name tag that you've been forced to wear mm-hmm. it probably feels a bit icky to There's you something
2: that, that feels a bit tr- you're being treated like a child I like, don't like children wear name tags and have mm. like their name on their clothes and stuff and i think yeah they sort of it's making the middle seem a bit babyish
3: i mean don't get me wrong i wish that everybody in life wore name tags at all times
2: yes yes of course because
3: yeah. it would just remove so many of my problems yeah yeah but that being said I think
2: that's for people you know though not for people you don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: It's 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 I understand where you're coming from Mm-mm. but I think you know just stick with that no teeth smile. Yeah. Uh, be just as friendly but perhaps drop the names.
2: I think I agree. I think I think it is creepy.
3: But what what I would like to say is if you are somebody who works a job with a name tag and I've got that completely wrong. Mm. Then do let me know about it.
2: What about this? Someone who wears a name tag necklace. You can get necklaces with your name on. What is it okay then to say, oh, hi, Patricia?
3: I think it's even worse because it's something like you're looking at their neck. <laughs> you know.
2: But then why are they wearing their name yeah, on? Yeah, I, the I next? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's
3: move on then. Yeah.
2: This is from Pete. I work for an Australian company. Tonight, I had to take an important call with my boss in Sydney at 10.30pm UK time whilst on the train home. It was a busy train, almost every seat was taken. I was sat in a pod of four where one seat was free. Across the way was another pod of four seats, also with one free. The importance of these details would become clear in a moment. Dead on 10.30, the phone vibrates, it's on silent, and I'm off. The call is going well. I have approval to hire an extra person to my team. Thumbs up. Fifteen minutes in, I notice out of the corner of my eye, a red-haired older lady, say sixty, move from her adjacent pod of four into our pod, taking the last remaining seat. Three minutes later, she is hitting me on the leg, demanding I cease my boring conversation. I ignore her, trying to concentrate on my call. She does this two more times, all the, t- all the time louder. Louder than I'm talking, declaring how rude I am, as she continues to hit my leg. I carry on, distracted but calm, finishing my call after 23 minutes. 45 minutes I've had to listen to your boring conversation, she blurts at me as I loop my headphone cable around my phone and turn my attention to her. Needless to say, an exchange of opinions ensued. I found it boring too, contributes the man in the adjacent pod. Come on, it's not a quiet carriage, chimes in the lady opposite him. It's now two versus two, battle royale time. (laughs) Actually, there was no battle royale or anything close. After five minutes chatting about who was or wasn't rude, the conversation moved on. No shouting or raised voices. Mm -hmm. I just got chatting with the male contributor about how rubbish it is having to take late night calls. The leg hitter complainer even thawed out, smiling by the end. I was left, though, with an unsettling bag of mixed emotions. Confusion. Was I the rude one here? If my kids had interrupted me mid-conversation like that, repeatedly, they'd be on the naughty step. And why did she move closer to me if I was so irritating? Did I miss the email which said it was okay to hit someone just because you thought their conversation was dull? Annoyance. Would she behave like that if I was having a conversation with a person sat next to me instead of a person on the phone? I suspect not, even though she'd have to hear both sides of the boring chat rather than just my side. And pride, how calm I'd remained, sticking up for (laughs) myself with a firm viewpoint and even ended up making a throwaway train budding. So, G&A, who was in the right here? Should I have wandered up and down the busy Waterloo commuter train trying to find a less popular spot? Or if she was so bothered, she should have moved to another spot or just suffered in silence, culminating in a mild tut, as a particularly brave drister may have done. What would you have done if you were in my shoes or her shoes? Some additional context, I was suited and booted returning from work. I suspect there was an element of oh, a city chat contributing mm. to her ire. Also, it turned out she was on her way home from a treasure hunt pub crawl. So let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say that her reaction may have been skewed by alcohol. All the best, Pete.
3: Well, I mean, I, I think this is another very clear one.
2: Oh, go for it.
3: So, firstly, nobody wants to hear half of a conversation Sometimes on a track, I, I mean a cat, it. unless it's something really but, juicy. Yeah, but like, by I'm, un- I'm
2: very, very nosy.
3: But do you not think ninety yeah, percent of conversations okay. you overhear are like are like this one? Yeah, okay. nobody enjoys it. No, but the social contract is mm. it's all right to use your phone if it's not in the. The quiet carriage right that's that's just the social contract i think the point he makes about only having to hear one side of the conversation is theoretically a good one although it does seem to something about only being able to hear one side of the conversation seems annoying to people it's more annoying Yeah. yeah it's very rare that somebody will come over to you when you're talking loudly and say, I'm finding your conversation annoying, whereas you get a lot of tuts and glances if it's on the phone. That being said, I was once in a pub talking about my views on something to do with films (laughs) and somebody came over and said, I can't listen to your opinions anymore and had to walk out of the pub. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So do you think that the woman was in the wrong then? You're asking me is a woman in the wrong to move out of her seat yeah. to a completely different one <laughs> yeah to hit somebody yeah
2: physically assault physically yeah. I mean yeah. I'm sure it's
3: you know very mild but hmm. to to hit somebody for doing something that whilst we might find annoying hmm. the social contract says it's okay to do mm, yeah yeah of course she's in the wrong okay
2: and is it okay for him to take this kind of phone call on the train? Yes, because that's okay. the social contract. Quite okay. Yeah, fine, yeah. okay. Oh, this is very clear cut then. Do you have
3: different opinions?
2: Um, it is annoying if someone is having a very, very boring conversation. It does sound kind of boring. I'm glad that you've got permission to have another person on your team. but I th- And I would have been a bit like, oh, good for you if I'd overheard that. But it is a bit annoying. Maybe you were speaking very loudly. Maybe Pete was speaking very loudly. I, d- I do him?
3: think that is a factor, actually. I think if you're having those conversations or any conversation on the phone, you should be aware of the people around you. You have to take on a muted
2: tone. Yes. And maybe even say, oh, I'm I'm on a train, so I'm I, I will go, I'm going to speak in a muted tone.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And as somebody who's spent a lot of time on trains recently, mm, um, the, yes, the, yeah. the the thing that is the most surprising to me about this is that you were able to keep the signal going to have any kind of conversation. <laughs>
2: Twenty-three minutes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I think Pete has heard everything that he needs to know and I suspect it's the only reason he emailed in to know that he's in the right and yes, Pete you are.
3: Uh if you have a situation like this you want to know the rules, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening to it. As I mentioned before, if you uh, you fancy supporting the podcast, you can do so on Patreon, patreon.com stroke adrift. Uh, Otherwise, look out for Annabelle and uh, um, Nickavan at uh, uh, a market near you soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a knicker van's still a thing. Mm, probably. And you know, people selling knickers off the back of a van. It was always at, like a long wheelbase, <laughs> high-top transit with a side-loading door. Yeah, that's so what I'm getting. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thanks to Man in the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers uh, and made the little jingly-eye-dent things. Patrick Gunning and Wild Banana What can't say it. Can you say it? No. Iwana Babu. There we go. Uh, plugged it all in and did technical support. Kim Rainey designed our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Um, I'll tell you what we've not asked people to do for a while. What's that? Rate and review the podcast on oh, iTunes. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I always great. hear podcast hosts asking their Ooh, listeners to do that. So yeah. it always gives a little bump up, you yeah. see, and then people find the podcast. Um, but, of course, the best way people find in the podcast is by you telling about the podcast Mm. although i appreciate you might not want to do that but if you would we'd be grateful um and i I guess that's everything oh um just while you're here have you got a piece of scum (laughs) adrift
0: adrift
3: All right, podication time. I'm just opening the email that Annabelle sends me every week with a podication in it. And uh, here we go. This comes from Ben, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. It's- Hello. Hello. It's Ben in Birmingham here, long-time listener, first-time writer. I've just become a Patreon supporter and hoped that may help me secure a podication. Well, I just want to say, like, we're so grateful to you for supporting us on Patreon. It means the world. But I also want to say, if you want a podication, it's not contingent on that. No. There's no queue jumping going on, is there?
2: I I do it all in strict order unless you ask for a particular date.
3: Uh, My dear old grandmother, continues Ben, who had similar hair and glasses to Jeff, recently passed away so rather than be sensible with my inheritance i thought i'd send twenty dollars of it per month your way because i love the podcast that's so kind it's of amazing
2: you. i feel like we don't deserve it no we, we, i'm sure that she would have wanted it because of the hair and glasses thing so definitely yeah yeah
3: uh th- that's um that's just fantastic thank you oh. you know as we said before just as little as uh, as an american dollar a month is 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 great um but we'll i mean we'll really look after ben for that won't we oh yeah well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, you know, Ben, we'll sort you out. We'll do you some favors. I'll give you a sensual massage. I don't, th- I don't think he wants Is it. that not one of the Patreon rewards? <laughs> no,
2: no, actually, no, it's not. No. What
3: about just a firm massage? That's definitely not one of them. I haven't either. got the fingers for it, really. No. So it's, it's a good job. I'm not a good masseur, it may surprise you to hear. <laughs>
2: it doesn't. No, no. <laughs>
3: um, he says, can I claim a title for that? I'd quite like Commodore, if possible. If that's already been taken, then Annabelle can choose an alternative.
2: Well, he did have another one, but I have changed it to Commodore because it was available.
3: Uh, he adds, Nobody I know is likely to hear my podcastation as they all listen to Mellow Magic or One <laughs> Extra. That's quite the mix of friends you've got there. Yeah, it is actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I quite like the idea of us drifters being a small and exclusive bunch and keeping any mention to us is uh, more special to to ourselves, I guess, Mm. yeah. Uh, I listen every week whilst walking my cockapoo Chester Chops.
2: That is such a good name. So good. love it. Uh,
3: Wearing headphones makes my ears hurt, so I just play the audio through my phone speaker like those aggressive and street people on the bus, although I'm neither of these things. This means Chester Chops can hear the podcast and he especially enjoys Annabelle's laugh. Oh, Chester Chops. Uh, I was hoping to be able to share a story of social awkwardness but the only occasion that came to mind was when I took a girl from Nat West out on a date, but her head was so massive I couldn't concentrate and I had to make an excuse to leave. I felt that was more suited to Simon Mayo than to a drift, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it perhaps is a bit of a, a confession of yeah. bad behaviour, but yeah. uh, I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Well, me too. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, oh. the podcast has now introduced yeah. me to Man and the Echo, which is my go-to music when washing my daughter's hair.
2: <laughs> I love it. He's got music for hair washing. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I never thought to do that. I wonder
3: if there's different music for um, for dog grooming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Chester Chops. Very much looking forward to the special episode hosted by Sarah and Annabelle's lover. So that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Ben, I loved that uh, email. That was great. Ben in Birmingham, Chester Chops. Don't know your daughter's name. Um, but for Commodore Ben, thank you so mm. much for listening. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. And if you would like a podcast, email hello at adriftpodcast.com.